0: Part 3, Chapter 1 of The Pride of Jennico. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M.B. in Washington State. The Pride of Jennico by Edgerton and Agnes Castle. Part 3, Chapter 1 Memoir of Captain Basil Yenico resumed in the spring of the year 1773 in my castle of tollendal march seventeen seventy three it is the will of one whose wishes are law to me that i should proceed with these pages begun under such stress of mental trouble until i bring the tangled story of basil jennico's marriage to its singular settlement without as i now write all over the land the ice-bound brooks are melting and our fields and roads are deep in impassable mud the whole air is full of the breath of spring as grateful to the nostrils as it is stirring to the blood of man, to the sap of trees. But it is ill-getting about, for all that the springtime is so sweet, as sweet and as capricious as a woman wooed, and thus there is time for this occupation of scribe. Yet it is a curious task for one bred so vastly different a trade. Neither, God knows, do I find time heavy on my hands just now. Nevertheless, I must even end this preface, as I have begun it, and say that I am fain to do as i am bidden the last line i traced upon these sheets i am filled with a good deal of wonder at and no little admiration of myself when i view what a goodly mass i have already blackened was penned at one of the darkest moments of that dark year monsieur de schreckendorf little messenger of such ill omen had but just departed and in the month that followed his visit the courage had failed me to resume my melancholy record though truly i had things to relate that a man might consider like to form a more than usually thrilling chapter of autobiography towards the beginning of september i still a dweller upon my mother's little property most peaceful haunt it would seem in the heart of our peaceful land began to find myself the object of a series of murderous attacks these so repeated and inveterate that it was evident that they were dictated by the most deliberate purpose and the more alarming perhaps that i could give then no guess from what quarter they proceeded Suspicion fell on a poaching gang, on a dishonest groom, on a discharged bailiff. At length, seeing my mother like to fall ill of the anxiety, I consented to return to London, although the country life, as the wholesome excitement of sport, had afforded me a relief from my restlessness, which existence in the town was far from providing. No sooner, however, was I fully installed in my London chambers than the persecution began afresh, I had fallen into an idle habit of going night after night to White's, there to bet and gamble with my modish acquaintances twas not that the dice had any special attraction for me but that my nights were so long on my way thither one mid-october foggy evening my life was once more attempted and this time with a deliberation and ferocity which might well have proved successful at last as it was however i again providentially escaped and was able to proceed to the club where i had an appointment with a poor youth our norfolk neighbour sir john beddoes who had already lost a great deal of money to me and would not be content until he had lost a great deal more i had the most insupportable good luck i little knew that i should find awaiting me there the greatest danger i had yet to run that the head which had directed all these blows in the dark was de guerre preparing to attack me in the open and push its malice to a certain climax a foreign gentleman one chevalier de ville rouge as i knew him then had sedulously thought first my acquaintance and thereupon my company for some weeks past and though i had not found him very entertaining i was not in the mood to be entertained by any one i had no reason to deny him either the one or the other but this night after first addressing me with looks and tones which began to strike me as unwarrantable he sat a round of hazard with me for the sole and determined purpose as i even then saw of grossly insulting me as a reply i struck him across the face for however transparent was the trap laid for me the provocation before witnesses was of a kind i could not pass over and for heaven i believe i was in my heart glad of the diversion the meeting was fixed for the next morning neither of us would consent to delay and indeed the german's whole demeanour once he had given a loose rein to his fury is more that of a wild beast thirsting for blood than of a being endowed with reason. Both Sir John Beddoes and Mister Carew, who had formed our party, indignant at the coarseness of the foreigner's behaviour, volunteered on the spot to be my seconds. And Carew, who has a subtle knowledge of the etiquette of honour, arranged the details of our meeting. It was to take place in Chelsea Gardens half an hour after sunrise. The weapons chosen by Monsieur de Ville Rouge were swords. For although the quarrel had been of his own seeking my blow had given him the right of choice it was two o'clock before i found myself again alone in my rooms that night my friends having conducted me home and seeming somewhat loath to retire i was longing for a couple of hours solitude before the dawn of the day which might be my last i felt that my career had reached its turning point that this was an event otherwise serious than any of the quarrels in which i had been hitherto embroiled and that the conduct of affairs was not in my hands carew was anxious about me he had never yet seen a duellist of my kidney i believe and my very quietness puzzled him make that nutcracker attendant of yours prepare you a hot drink man cried he as at last with honest bedos he withdrew and get to bed nothing will steady your hand like a spell of sleep but there was no sleep for me besides that pain of the slight wound which i had received in the night's guetapens was stiffening to great soreness there was an excitement in my brain partially due to the fever incident on the hurt which would not permit the thought of rest i had but little business to transact in view of the present uncertainty of my life i had recently drawn up a will in which after certain fitting legacies i left my great fortune to my wife now i merely gathered together the whole of this accumulated narrative of mine into a weighty packet and after addressing it deposited it in Yanos' hands with the strict injunction in the event of my demise to deliver it personally to ottilie no farewell message would be so eloquent as these pages in which i had laid bare the innermost thoughts of my soul since i first knew her she should receive no other message from me i next tore up poor bedo's litter of iou's and making a parcel of the fragments directed it to him janos received my instructions with his usual taciturn docility yet if anything could have roused me from the curious state of apathy in which i found myself it would have been the sight of the dumb concern on the faithful fellow's countenance having thus put all my worldly affairs in order i sat me down in my armchair, awaiting the dawn and viewed the past as one who has done with life i had a strong presentiment upon me that i should not survive the meeting at times the vision of my wife sleeping at that very moment as i had so often watched her sleep lightly and easily as a child little wotting little caring perhaps if she had wotted of her husband's solemn vigil would rise up before me with a vividness so cruel as well-nigh to rouse me but the new calmness of my soul defied these assaults. An unknown philosophy had succeeded to the violence of my emotions. When my seconds called for me in the first greyness of the morning, they found me ready for them. They themselves were shivering from the raw cold, with arms thrust to the elbows into the depths of their muffs. Carew, all yellow and shriveled, an old man of a sudden, Embedos, blue and purple, the sleep still in his swollen eyes, hardly able to keep his teeth from chattering, a very schoolboy, they could scarce conceal their amazement at my placidity. It was not indeed that I found myself bodily fit for the contest, for the whole of my left side was stiff, and I could hardly move that arm without pain. Yet placid I was. I scarcely know now why. Thus we set forth in Sir Beddoes' coach, Janos on the box, and a civil, shy young man on the back seat beside Beddoes. This was, the latter informed me, the best surgeon he had been able to secure at such short notice. The fog disappeared and when the mists evaporated it promised to be a fine bright frosty morning now it may be after all that i was a little light-headed with the heat of the wound in my blood for i have no very clear recollections of that morning it remains in my mind rather as a bright-coloured fantasy than a series of events i have actually lived through i remember as a man may remember a scene in a play a garden running down to the river-side very bare and desolate and the figure and face of my bulky antagonist as he conferred excitedly with two outlandish-looking men his seconds these had fierce moustaches and reminded me vaguely of the cravat captains i had known in the empire then the scene shifts we stand facing each other i am glad of the chill of the air with nothing between it and my fevered breast but the thinness of my shirt but my opponent stamps like a menacing bull as if furious at the benumbing blasts now i am fighting fighting for my life as never in battle or in single combat have i had need to fight before this is no courteous duel between gentlemen no honourable meeting but the struggle of a man with his murderer physically at a disadvantage from my hurt, i am moreover conscious that against this brute fury all my skill at arms is of no avail and my strength is rapidly failing then as he drives me by the sheer weight of his mass i see his face thrust forward into mine distorted with such a frenzy that I wonder in a sort of unformed way why this man should thus thirst to kill me. The next moment, with an extraordinary sense of universal failure and disorganization which is yet not pain, I realize that I am hit, badly hit. Upon that instant I find my brain cleared to a lucidity I have never felt before. I see my opponent's sword flash ruby red with my own blood in the sun rays. I see him smile, a smile of glorious triumph which cuts a deep dimple beside his lip i hear him pant at me the strange words ha ottilie and then i am again seared rent once more and then to the sound of a howl of many voices my world falls into chaos and exists no more it is sometimes but a short and easy way up to the gates of death but a long and weary journey back to life it was a long and weary journey to me i was like a man who travels in the dead of night over rough ways and now and again slumbers uneasily with troubled dreams and now looks out upon a glimmer of light in some house or village and now on nothing but the pitchy darkness and yet he is always travelling on and on till he is weary with badness and fatigue and then as the dawn breaks upon the wanderer as he sees a strange land around him so the dawn of what seemed a new existence began to break for me and i looked upon life anew with wondering eyes At first I looked as the traveller may, with eyes so tired and drowsy as scarce to care to notice, but in yet a little while I warmed and quickened to the sun of returning health. I began to be something more than a mere tortured mass of humanity. Each breath was no longer misery to draw, the mind was able to reassert authority over the flesh. The dark, watchful figure that seemed to have been sitting at the foot of my bed for centuries, that was Janos, poor old fellow, I could not yet speak to him but i could smile my next thought was amaze that i should be in a strange room it had a very teasing tapestry its figures had worried me long before i could notice them in a little while i began to understand that i was not in my own chambers and to feel such irritation at the liberty which had been taken with me that i should have demanded instant explanation had my strength been equal to the task but i come of too vigorous stock the blood that runs in my veins is too sweet because I have not, like so many young fools of my day, poisoned it with endless potations and dissoluteness, for me, when once on the broad high-road to recovery, to continue my travelling simile, to dally over the ground. Moreover, I was too well nursed. Janos, it seems, after the first couple of visits, in each of which I was wisely bled, of the diminished store the chevalier's sword had left in my veins, Janos had had a great quarrel with the surgeon, vowing he would not see his master's murder completed before his eyes and never a chance of hanging the murderer it had ended in the old soldier taking the law into his own hands dismissing the man of medicine and treating me after his own lights he had had a fairly good apprenticeship having attended my uncle through all his campaigns as far as i am concerned i am convinced that in this as well as in another matter which i am about to relate he saved my life The other matter has reference to the very change of quarters which had excited my ire, the true explanation of which, however, I did not receive until I was strong enough to entertain visitors. Janos would give me little or no satisfaction. I thought in myself it would be more wholesome for your honour than your other house. was the utmost I could extract. Indeed, he strenuously discouraged all conversation. But the day when this stern guardian first consented to admit Carew and Bedos to my presence— and that was not until I could sit up in bed and converse freely. All that I had been curious about was made clear to me. Carew, indeed, had the virtue of being an excellent gossip. I had at one time deemed it his only quality, but I learned better then. Both the gentlemen, each in his own fashion, displayed a certain emotion at seeing me again, in which the pleasure at the fact of my being still in the land of the living, and likely to remain so, was qualified by the painful impression produced by my altered appearance. Sir John, the boy, sat himself down on the edge of my bed and squeezed my hand in silence, with something like tears in his eyes. Carew, the rouet, was very deliberate in his choice of a chair, took snuff with a vast deal of elegant gesture, and fired off, with it might be in excess of merriment, such jocularities as he had gathered ready against the occasion. Both of them seemed to deem it incumbent upon them to avoid any reference to the duel. I, however, very promptly brought up the subject now for god's sake i said let a poor man who has been kept like a child with a cross nurse take your pap go to sleep ask no questions learn at last a little about himself in the first place where am i in the second what has become of the red devil who brought me to this pass in the first place jennico said carew you are at the house of lady beddoes mother to our friend here a very pleasing little residence situate on richmond hill secondly that red devil as you call him "'that most damnable villain has fled the country as well as he might, "'for if ever a knave deserves stringing up as high as Hammond, "'but of that anon, there is a good deal to tell you "'if you think you can bear the excitement.' "'Well,' he pursued upon my somewhat pettish assertion, "'I myself think a little pleasant conversation "'will do you more good than harm, "'to begin with you are doubtless not aware that you are a dead man.' "'How?' cried I, a little startled for my nerve was yet none of the strongest. "'Nay, nay, dash you, guru,' interposed Sir John. "'Don't ye make those jokes. "'Gruesome, I call him. "'It makes me creep. "'No, Basil lad, thou art alive and wilt live "'to set that chevalier, whoever he may be, swinging for it.' "'And here, in his eager partisanship, "'he broke into a volley of execrations "'which would have run my poor great-uncle's performances pretty close. "'Why!' said i impatiently, 'Tis tis enigma to me still why i am here why am i dead why the chevalier should hang i think you have all sworn to drive me mad among you i was so evidently exasperated that bedos all of a tremble besought carew to explain the situation he'll do himself a mischief he cried pathetically do you tell him carew you know what a fool i am carew was nothing loath to set about what was indeed the chief pleasure of his life the retailing of scandal "'and it seems that the Yenniko duel was a very pretty scandal indeed. "'I will take your last question first, said he, "'settling himself to his task with gusto. "'Why the Chevalier should hang, who he really is, where he comes from, "'why he hates you with such deadly hatred, Yenneco, "'are all mysteries which I confess myself unable to fathom. "'Doubtless you can furnish us with the clue by and by.' as he spoke his pale eye kindled with a most devouring curiosity nevertheless as i showed no desire to interrupt him by any little confidence he proceeded glibly but why the chevalier should hang is another matter cut souks i'd run him down myself were it but for his impudence in getting gentlemen like myself to come and see foul play why yenico man don't you know that after charging you like a bull and running you once through the body the scoundrel stabbed you again as you were sinking down and the sword had dropped from your hand i doubt me he would have spitted you a third time to make quite sure had not Beddoes and i fallen upon him i'd have run him through there interposed sir john excitedly i had drawn for it had i not dick and i'd have run him through but that surgeon called out that you were dead and dash me between the turn i got and the way those queer seconds of his hustled him away i lost the chance and the three of them ran they ran like rats to the river "'Gad, I'd have left my mark in them even then, but Carew be hanged to him, held on by my coat-tails.' "'Tis just as Jack told you,' said Carew. "'No sooner had they heard you were dead, my friend, than they ran for it, "'and it is quite true that I restrained Jack here from sticking them in the back as they skedaddled. "'A pretty affair of honour, indeed.' "'I lay back on my pillows a while, musing. "'I had had time to reflect on many things these days.' and god knows there were enigmas enough in my life to give me food for reflection what i had just heard caused me no surprise tallying as it did with conclusions i had previously reached after a moment carew cleared his throat edged his chair for a foot nearer and queried confidentially did it never strike you that the chevalier must have been part and parcel if not the moving spirit of those attacks upon your life which you told us of that night at the club you did not appear to have a notion of it then "'but there was not a man of us there who did not see "'but the quarrel was deliberately got up. "'And do you mind,' cried Sir John, "'how he bet me you would not live a month?' "'Aye,' said Carew, "'and Yennico knows best himself, "'if in his gay youth in foreign parts "'he has not given good cause for this mortal enmity, "'though to be sure the mystery thickens "'when we remember how friendly you were with each other. Yennico is such a close dog. "'He keeps such a dash-tight counsel.' "'I smiled. Yeniko would keep his counsel still.' "'I meant these good fellows should expound my riddles for me, not I, theirs.' "'But since I am dead,' said I, "'I fear, Jack, thou hast lost on me again.' "'The gentleman did not leave his address,' said Sir John with a grin, "'and he furtively squeezed my hand to express his secret sense "'of the little transaction of the IOUs. "'We made some clamour at the embassy, I promise you,' interposed Carew. "'We were anxious to pay him all his due, you may be sure.' But devil a bit of satisfaction could we get, save indeed that the ambassador took to his bed with a fit of gout, and you being dead, Yannicko, you are dead still, remember. To bury you was the best thing your friends could do for you till you were able to take fit measures to protect yourself. And indeed it was that queer old tartar of yours, Janos, or whatever you call him, who loudly insisted upon your demise, when we found the first alarm was unfounded, and that you still breathed. Gad! I believe you have as many lives as a cat. This fellow then says to us in his queer jargon, "My master lives, but he must all the same be thought dead." In faith, he besought us with such urgency that, what with seeing you lying there and knowing what we knew of the foul play that had been practised upon you, we were ready enough to fall in with his desires. Sir John bethought him of his mother's house at Richmond and offered to accompany you there, or rather your body. You were little less just then next the surgeon swore the journey would kill you and your servant swore you should not be harboured in the town the fellow knew you good breed he said not easily killed and so he won the day and miles the surgeon gave in but indeed he told me apart twas waste of time disputing for anyhow you could not see the noon but here you are at my lady beddoes house at richmond alive and like to live though you have ceased to exist for most men There was a charming, really a most touching, obituary notice in the gazettes. You have been duly lamented at the clubs, and forgotten within the usual nine days. Rumours will soon begin to get about, of course, but nobody knows anything positive. The secret is still kept. Janos, I believe, has contrived to assuage the anxiety of your relatives. Here the speaker took so copious a pinch to refresh himself after his long speech that he set me off sneezing whereupon my special cerberus promptly made his appearance and bundled the visitors forth without more ado i have said that my friend's belief in the chevalier's implication in the diverse murderous onsets that had been made upon me previous to his own did not surprise me the memory of Monsieur de villerouge's cry as he dealt me what he believed my death-stroke a cry in which it would be hard to say whether savage triumph or sheer vindictiveness most predominated had come back on me as soon as i could think at all with most revealing force his arrival in england had coincided with the beginning of the persecution the look on his face as i had last seen it the smile and that dimple had haunted me during long hours of delirium with a most maddening grotesque and horrible likeness to the face of her i had so loved coupling these things in later sanity of mind with the other evidence i could not doubt but that here had been some relative of ottilie who had interest to put an end to her husband's existence. Had not her pock-marked mercury, at the close of our interview, uttered words of earnest warning? Aye, I, I minded them now. The matter will not end here. Have a care, young man. As I thought of all this, as the whole meaning of what had seemed so mysterious now lay clear before me, I would be seized with a sort of deadly anguish, compared to which all my previous sufferings, whether of body or mind, had been but trivial. Could she, could utterly "'have known of this work? "'Could she have inspired it? "'The sweat that would break out upon me at such a thought "'was more than all my fever had wrung from my body, "'and my faithful leech would wonder to find me faint and reeking, "'and would puzzle his poor brains in vain upon the cause, "'and decoct me new teas of dreadful compounds, "'fred which he vowed had never failed. "'But then at other times the vision of my wife "'would rise before me and shame me. "'I would see again her noble brow.' her clear eye her arched and innocent lip and in my weakness and the passion of my longing i would turn and weep upon my pillow to think that having to my sorrow lost her i should come now to lose even my faith in her and yet should love her still with such mad love now there must be as janos would have it something remarkably tough in the breed of jennico for me to recover from such wounds both bodily and mental recover i did however in spite of all odds and a resolve i made with returning strength did a good deal to ease my mind tossed between such torturing fluctuations this resolve was no less than to leave the country some fine morning in secret so soon as i could undertake the journey with any likelihood of being able to persevere in it to speed to buddhison and discover myself the real attitude of ottilie towards me i was determined that according as i found her either what my heart would still deem her or yet so base a thing as the fiend whispered that i would try to win her back were i to die in the attempt or thrust her from my life forever. ever thus when i heard that my enemy and the world believed me dead when i realized that she too must probably share in the delusion i was glad not only would it materially facilitate my re-entering the duchy but it would afford me an excellent opportunity of judging her real feelings i had no doubt but that if I set to work in a proper manner and duly preserved my incognito, I should be able, now that all pretext for quarantine had disappeared, to secure an interview without too much difficulty. So all my desires hastening towards that goal, I set myself to become a whole man again, with so much energy that even Iganos was surprised at the rapidity of my progress. End of Part 3 Chapter 1